there's a whole new game in a whole new world of SEO. And how do you make sure that Google talks to you? And how do you make sure that what your interface provides back to Google, Google considers relevant, engaging, et cetera. So the same principles as SEO for web one and point two will translate to web three, but that will look slightly different. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Alexander. Alexander, thank you so much for being here with us today. Glad to be here. Awesome. So give us a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Yeah, I'm a co-founder and and, um, and CTO uh, at InkForAll.com, and I make uh, technology uh, that gets people ready for the interactive web. Fine. So before we figure out what the interactive web is, <laughs> how did you get into all of this? You know, uh, I grew up in Belgium. I got my first computer at 13. I was fascinated with it and the internet and started coding right away. Went uh, to school, studied computer science. But as soon as I got out, I got a job in an internet marketing company and um, at that time, it was just a marketing company, but I started applying all my uh, digital whiz skills, like creating an email pixel tracker and stuff like that to the marketing space right away. And this was the early 2000s. So I basically have been in the field since Google was still an infant. And um, and so uh, so the field just kept evolving. Then in 2008, I got into machine learning 2012 neural network started to become a thing and I understood that was going to impact and change the web significantly, particularly search and created, um, um, the content rank theory, uh, the content candidate rank theory around how Google was going to use semantic indexing to improve the accuracy of its search results. And that turned out to become a very successful enterprise SEO agency, which is still operational today. Which, which we sold in November, 2021. And then uh, out of that company, we spun out the technology for optimizing content. And um, in the last year, we've been trying to marry that to the generative AI use case. Um, and we have seen that really blow up in the space in terms of popularity in the past few months. So with all that and the incumbents going into that market, being all excited about it, uh, we have put our sights on what that all means for businesses and uh, how we can help them be successful in this new era. Because what is starting right now is Web 3.0, not the one that was all hyped with uh, blockchain kids, but uh, the one that's actually going to happen, which is uh, going to be all around uh, hyper-personalization, conversational, um, and digital identity. So um yeah web three <laughs> nice so um without confusing anybody too much let's go into just what your perspective of web 3.0 is uh what you mean by interactive web space and um we'll just kind of <laughs> break this apart for people because i know some people are totally ingrained in this and they're like yes this right. is the new best thing this is awesome and other people are going it's absolutely absolutely <laughs> so Look, we um, 
we have all seen that uh, like Bing and Google have added chat and, and it's competing with search, right? And so web one and two, web one is the static web, web two is the dynamic web, uh, web two uh, unlocked for us blogs, e-commerce stores, what whatever, community driven sites, social media websites, and the end of the world. <laughs> Um, so that just for those right of there, you who don't remember once upon a time, websites were exactly that a static page that you looked at, you read, and then you went somewhere else, like a newspaper to go and find the address. Yeah. So web <laughs> one painful. and two can be yeah. indexed because they're an actual page that a browser can crawl. Yeah. But if you look at the future of SEO and search, you're, you're looking at it and you say, well, it's now chat. Well, the chat. Where does it get its information from? It's generic it's, and so forth. So chat needs to be able to somehow index the website and talk to the website and then have a conversation with it. But that opens a can of worms around who owns the content. So like if Google is talking about Disney and it had like a cutoff date for learning from Disney uh, on its general model, or it is scraping the Disney website to give answers in its chat answer and they're not attributing it to some some way, then Disney can get really pissed off because that's their brand and they're using their brand's content to make money with advertising, right? So the that's a big problem. So the solution in that is going to be in the form of, you know, APIs that uh, you're going to have on your website that will connect your website to the interactive web. And it basically, in very simple terms, it allows uh, a large language model like Google's Bard or, 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 or Microsoft's Bing chat to connect to your website and ask it relevant questions. So for example, you could say, well, um, my, um, my store is at capacity right now and I'm going to close. So it can give you like, uh, it can let the, the search engine ask your website, hey, what's going on right now? You, your site answers relevant information controlled by you back to the search engine. And then the search engine can use that to create an interactive experience, but it doesn't stop there. Um, also people that do come to your website can now have interactive experiences as well. We're going to see, uh, we're going to see the web become a lot more interactive. Uh, for example, you'll be able to ask an art, read an article and just have a conversation with it. Or you can come to, let's say you want to buy a car at Toyota and you want to compare some models, but instead of browsing like 10 pages to figure out what you need, you could just ask Toyota, say, hey, tell me what the differences are between your models. And hey, while you're at it, can you compare your features to that of the Nissan? And so what would happen is the if it's the search engine, it would say, oh, I'll get the Toyota information from Toyota and I'll get the Nissan information from Nissan through this interface. And so when that becomes a thing, what you'll notice is that web one and two traffic, if you're not yet on web three, what you'll notice is that your SEO traffic in the next four years will decline by 50%. And you're like, where's all that traffic go? Well, it's gonna be eaten up by web three type of interactive conversations. And so businesses need to get ready for that. They need to prepare for that. Uh, by by building these connecting tissues with their brand. And um, and in that, there's a whole new game and a whole new world of SEO. And how do you make sure that Google talks to you? And how do you make sure that what your interface provides back to Google, Google considers relevant, engaging, et cetera? 
So the same principles as SEO for web one and point two will translate to web three, but that will look slightly different. If you want to get a head start with what web one and two, because web three is just starting now, um, you want to uh, be in touch with a company that has their finger on the pulse of what's really happening in the SEO space, then um, there's no better place than, um, than inkforall.com. We have a great community. You can ask us questions and you'll get access to that thought leadership and the best technology for semantic optimization that there is uh, available today. Nice. So other than chatbots and and <laughs> things like that and artificial intelligence, going into those conversations, what else do you see as being part of that? Golly, it's, it is so much. I, um, I, I just worked with Compass. Um, Compass is a... Um, is a, is a multinational um, digital transformation company. I just uh, worked with them in in the context of um, of an AI conference they're going to have on a book, and I'm going to I'm going to provide one chapter in that book, and it's about the impact on industries. And um, you know when you when you look at it uh, industry by industry, there. It, there is no industry this will not touch, um, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've given this some thought, and I'm still working through this. To be honest, oh, a lot um, of this is, yep. uh, yeah, a lot of this is evolving and like getting more and more clear to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I, I would say. A lot of people are imagining what the future will be like. And right now my mind is leaning towards something like um, capitalism on Adderall. So <laughs> describe. <laughs> so um, right now we all agree that the world moves a lot faster than maybe our grandparents. Right? It's a lot faster than my grandparents. Right. <laughs> And so now it's really hard to imagine what, and, and if you had to put a number on it, maybe you say like mm -hmm. it's four times faster or 10 times faster. I don't know, you know, what pick, pick well, a number. Interesting right? stat though, it took, so to kind of put numbers on this for people, um, I think it was, I think offhand it was the telephone took a hundred years from its inception to being a household uh, reality. Um, Google took something like five years um, and chat GPT took five days to get over a billion users. Yeah, they took it uh, is substantially faster. <laughs> yeah, I think they took two months to get to a hundred million global active users. Okay. Um, and I think they only took like five days to get over a million right. active users. Yeah, it was um, insane. Insanely yeah, fast. So, yeah. So if you had to put a number on it, I mean, pick one, you know, throw some darts, <laughs> exactly. but, but the, what's about to happen. And this is the big thing that, you know, people need to understand is uh, progress is exponential right now. It's not linear right? and exponential progress. Uh, it doesn't really work with the human mind. Like our mind cannot comprehend infinity, right? Concepts like infinite and what is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. Um, we can't really grok it. We can't really fully grasp it, but it is exponential. Mm -hmm. And so 
the the rate of progress is going to not be like four or five X in the next two years. It's going to be more like 50 X. It's going to be something that you can't really truly imagine. And what that means for capitalism is this. Today, um, let's say you have a, a team of 10 people. Tomorrow, there will be 90 digital co-workers assisting those 10 people. And that is, you know, if you do the math, that's 100 workers versus 10. And those 90 never sleep. And they keep being productive. But let's ignore that for a second. That means that now a company can go 10 times faster. And it means that what used to take 10 people, now somebody, one person with nine assistants, digital assistants, can compete with. What does that mean for capitalism? It means hyper-competition, hyper-velocity. And we know what happens when uh, competition increases. Prices, prices go down, right? So we are likely to see um, an explosion of uh, competition and perhaps even deflation in the marketplace, um, especially around uh, things that are based on a knowledge economy. Um, Right. So the the physical economy, like the physical goods, still depend on a physical supply chain and manual labor, which will eventually also uh, be replaced with robotic labor or like I don't like the word replace. I'm going to say augmented. Right. So look at Tesla's factories. Right. You know, uh, compare that to the, the Ford factory like 100 years ago, you know, compared to Tesla factory. There's like one dude there overseeing like 100 machines. And pushing buttons and in the past you had like a hundred people assembling every nut and bolt so this is what i mean like with capitalism on adderall it's just that everything will just go so much faster and companies that do not adopt um web3 companies that do not adopt um digital co-workers are simply not going to be able to compete, especially in the knowledge economy, right? As I explained, um, the physical world still has some benefits. And, you know, I could take some courses with plumbing uh, in my free time, for example. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it is a handy skill to have, especially when you have a uh, water emergency at your home. Right. Well, and I can see a lot of people doing that because I, I think a lot of people, when they really understand economics and what's happening, is that the job um, landscape just changes. Um, so once upon a time, manual labor in America was a thing. It all moved to China. Everybody cried. And then they went, oh, I'm going to get skilled labor. Okay. But now I have the time and the money and the wherewithal to get the skilled labor. Okay, great. And then machines take over that. And then then they cry and they go, oh, well, we need our intellectual replacement. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> I can change my intellect. Intellect, And then nobody likes change and nobody likes to not be able to see what the what the future holds kind of thing. Yeah. And I can totally see that um, anybody not rep uh, embracing this new technology is going to be left behind because the Googles of the world are going to embrace it. So um, part of the issue is with... Um, 
you know, shopping. Amazon took it over. All of the mom and pop shops went away. Um, they couldn't compete. They didn't have the the budget, the um, the revenue. There was no profit margin in it. Of course, prices went down. And now you think about something and it's delivered at your front door before you even have time to hit enter. <laughs> so it's is the big joke about that. But how is, um, and I see that the, the conversation between a, a website kind of like, if I could compare it to anything, it's kind of like Facebook was to social media. It's you got to go in, connect, ask questions, and, and you got the answers that you needed right away. Um, obviously, with bots and chats, you can do that. But I'm also seeing that there's a lot of community effort going more so into these the web threes in that you mentioned the hyper-personalization and being able to identify what somebody needs, when they need it, why they need it, um, precursor to kind of the- Look, I'll the give an example. Yeah. I'll give an example. I can make, uh, I don't know, maybe I own a pizza store and you mm -hmm. can come to my page and I can show you food options mm -hmm. and I can let you, right? <clears throat> or I can know that you're Jewish and I need to only serve kosher food. And so the web, the web page may not be programmed dynamically. I may have not thought of that, mm -hmm. but uh, the generative or interactive web will, will take care of this, right? They will know who they're talking to. It will have memory of past conversations. And then that memory is private with you and the large language model that you trust. But when it is interacting with the pizza chain, it would do something like, you know how you go to a restaurant and they ask you if you have any food allergies? Mm -hmm. Well, the website can now ask, hey, do you know if Michelle uh, has a food allergy I need to be aware of? And the large language model say, well, why? Nice for you to ask. Actually, <laughs> I do know this. Don't serve X, Y, Z. And, mm -hmm. and so it's a very different type of experience that, that can be unlocked. Um, but I would say that far from, far from uh, negative, this actually creates opportunities because, you know, can you imagine how many people wake up in the morning with a great idea for a business and do not have the money, budget, or time to go and execute it, right? And so mm -hmm. this this new economy is basically going to allow everyone to try and go and try and test their idea. And in a marketplace of ideas, we we are going to see a, a, an explosion and renaissance of, of business and, and, and um, that we have nev never imagined before. Sure, a lot of people in the Philippines in call centers will lose their job, but then the next day they're gonna go home and they're gonna have an idea for their own business and they're gonna have all these expert AI uh, coworkers to help them realize their idea. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, they're the next Google. And so this is the opportunity that we're presented with. Yes, there's disruption and it is not like learn to code. No, because an AI can help you with code. You just need to tell it what you want it to do. And humans are re remarkably capable of that. So in a marketplace of ideas, more ideas is a good thing. More competition is a good thing. And so we're about to see an age of unrivaled growth, improvement in medicine, well-being, um, you know, green energy. We can solve problems of science and medicine and, and technology that we, we couldn't dream of solving before. And um, it is going to be an interesting time. It's going to be a wild ride. 
like Adderall, <laughs> but it will, it, I think overall, I'm very optimistic of uh, what we can achieve together uh, with, with this technology. Nice. I love it. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Uh, Cinderella story of one of my clients. Uh, well, we, at, at the SEO agency that we, we worked, we, uh, we applied, we applied semantic optimization to give Google what is, what is looking for. And uh, one of our clients grew their SEO traffic by more than 10 million visitors per month. Wow. And, and that's a fortune 100 company, but then we applied it to our own site, inkforall.com last year. And just three years ago, we did a campaign like that on another blog and it took us, took us like $184 per published finished article. So from the planning and strategy to writing, editing, publishing, optimization, the whole thing, right? Yep. Um, last year, we were able to reduce that with AI augmented work at Inc. We were able to reduce that cost to less than $20 per published article. That's a 10x reduction, which means that with just seven writers, we were able to complete about a thousand pieces of high quality optimized content per month. And uh, we, we put that on our site and it took us uh, how long? I think 16 weeks to go from 100,000 visitors a month to 1.3 million visitors a month. Wow. So hey, talk about print money button. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. But there's two stories in there. Mm -hmm. There's one, the, the Cinderella story is, uh, is, you know, you don't have to go broke on paid media. You can go to inkforall.com and do this yourself and benefit from this technology and grow your site. But Cinderella story number two in that um, is really that we were able to reduce the, the labor cost 10x. Well, that's not just what happened. We just ended up hiring 10 times more people because once you can get more reach, you don't, you don't scale down, you scale up. And, and I believe that in the coming year, um, Inc. for all is going to do some stuff that's going to bring that cost down another times 10x. So mm -hmm. keep an eye out for that because we truly believe that collaboration with humans in, in this space is going to be key and giving mm -hmm. people um, experts at their fingertips is going to be critical. Nice. So when it comes to AI and being able to create things, what about the original content? So I'm assuming that your writers are still kind of looking at it and going, okay, this is a good start, but yeah. And we need to augment or <laughs> yeah. augmentation. There is. So I'm going to say this, right. There is no such thing as original content anymore. Hmm. Um, They've been saying is, that for years. <laughs> there is uh there is original data mm -hmm. or original information. And then there's original delivery which can be timely, time sensitive, culturally sensitive, diversity, inclusive, et cetera, and how you present it, entertaining, whatever. Sensibilities and tastes of people, intent on an emotional level changes over time. It changes mm -hmm. with culture. So you cannot write a piece of content uh, one time that will always be relevant and entertaining to people. So content right. needs to be fresh. Um, now, their generative technology is perfect for that because it can understand your brand tone and voice. And as the time progresses, it can update all your content for you with your brand tone and voice. Let's say that, let's say for whatever reason, society finds mustaches offensive. Let's say all women say 
it i hate kissing a man with a mustache it's nasty and sorry to all the men with mustaches and all the women who do love a man with mustache i'm just giving an example but let's say culture decides it's a no-go right well then obviously you want your brand guidelines to be updated to not offend the new cultural norm. Well, yesterday that didn't exist. It's like five years ago, you search for Corona, you get beer. Today, you get something different. Things change over time. That's culture. So uh, content changes its delivery style over time, just like fashion. And then information, right? Um, I watched a video of MKBHD reviewing the new Rivian SUV. Um, and it was just like out a day or two ago. And I was thinking about this in a, in a world of, of, of AI and everything. And I'm like, you know, somebody could perfectly uh, AI generate this guy's voice, mm -hmm. perfectly generate his face and, and mimic his movement, but they can't, they cannot replace his original content. We listen to him because we love his take on the car, his fresh opinion. This was information that was previously unknown. And since we are physical agents that live in a physical world that have real physical emotions with the real world and real physical impressions, we can pr be producers of brand new information. And so as long as you have original information and you have original delivery, uh, you can create what is called quote unquote original content. But everything else is just like rehashing of old stuff that's not going to make it in this new world. You got to offer you got to offer a service, information or delivery that's unique if you want to continue be relevant in web in a web3 world. Awesome. So I know people are going to want to hear more from you or how did they start their journey with you? You know, honestly, uh follow me on LinkedIn or something. Um go and try inkforall.com. We're we're sharing a lot of what I shared on this call with uh, our customers and I'm sharing a lot on LinkedIn as well. Um, so yeah, please stay in touch, like follow up with this because it's going to be a wild ride and businesses do need to be prepared. Entrepreneurs need to be aware of what's coming. Um, I know several executives at large companies that all they have been doing for the last 90 days, every single day is trying to figure out what AI means for their business, right? <laughs> And so following me online or whatnot gives you like a front row seat on the conclusions that they come to, as well as that we come to with our original R&D in this field. And there are some uh, product updates that are going to come to Inc. So you're going to want to be first in line to benefit uh, from that with your business. Nice. Love it. So we will, of course, have Alexander's links in the chat notes. Uh, so go and check those out. And... Uh... I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? When you grow up in Belgium, you're supposed to eat fries with mayonnaise. <laughs> but I ate them with ketchup. So even from when I was like four years old, five years old, everybody started calling me the American. <laughs> <laughs> and at its core... The idea of America versus old Western European is that you can be just crazy enough to do things your own way and go your own path in life. I think that's what is at the heart of entrepreneurship is go and pursue something that you believe in, something that you see that others don't yet see. 
And that is why America is home to so many wonderful uh, companies, because at the core, there was always somebody out there that was, uh, you know, was a misfit and thought differently about the world. And so I guess it's been part of my, from my very earliest uh, memories. Nice. I love that. Well, and peeps, it just, that just reminded me that uh, when we're on the precipice of something, it, it can be scary. It can be terrifying. It's like, oh, I don't understand that. That's when you want to find out the most that you possibly can hang around people that are delving into it. Don't think that you've missed the bus on any of this yet. <laughs> you haven't oh, it's yet. just starting. It's, it's just, just starting. starting. So yeah. get excited about it, figure out how it applies to you and how you can use it to make your life faster, easier, better. And uh, yeah, let's go out and have some fun with this. I like it. Awesome. Alexander, you've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for peeps? No, just thank you for tuning in. Spending 30 minutes of your day or so with us uh, has been a privilege. I thank you for your time and uh, I hope you learned something. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. Comment, start interacting. <laughs> we need to stop and uh, have a little fun with that. We'll talk to you next episode. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.